Well, we have a lot of things that are Korean and that are getting more and more popular around the world. Everyone knows about Hallyu or the Korean wave, uh, which is uh, the popularity of Korean pop culture, whether it's uh, K-pop or dramas or movies and what have you. And recently, we've seen this um, promotion of uh, what's known as K-quarantine, which uh, deals with the uh, effective way uh, Korea has handled the uh, COVID pandemic and perhaps how uh, people could follow that example. So that is all things related to Korea. One aspect of uh, Korea that is um, perhaps a little bit different or maybe even more difficult is the Korean language itself. Um, 420,000 people have studied it outside the country since 2007. That's According to the uh, King Sejong Institute, which is run by the Culture Ministry uh, since 2007 to support Korean language education and uh, in that way also spread Korean culture. So to find out more about this trend, we are pleased to be joined once again by freelance journalist Rafael Rashid here in the studio. Hello. Good morning. Good morning. So we do see more and more non-Koreans uh, who are uh, fluent in Korean. I think that has been a trend for the past few years where uh, a lot of these uh, programs like P. Jung Sang h e d a m or mm. all these kind of, uh, <laughs> kind of variety shows that feature foreigners who, who speak Korean and everyone's wow, you guys speak the language so well. And, and that's all great. Um, you, you're a foreigner yourself. How, how many languages um, uh, have you studied so far besides English? Uh, well, I sp- I'm fluent in French. Okay. I've studied Italian and Japanese. Wow. So you, you are a... Do, uh, doesn't mean I can speak a, a any of t h e A renaissance man in, in, in <laughs> linguistics here. You also speak Korean. Can you talk a little bit about your own experience of studying the language? Um, yeah. I, um, I started learning Korean, I think it was in 2007 or 2008. Mm. Um, I did my undergraduate degree in uh, Japanese and Korean studies back in London. Uh, and so, I mean, it was relatively basic back then. And then I came to Korea to do my master's uh, in Korean studies. Mm. And although the course was taught in English, um, I had to take one year language classes or maybe a year and a half. I can't remember. So it's kind of been on and off for about, I don't know, 13 years. But I feel like it's, <laughs> I haven't been to class in a long time. And yeah. the more you don't go, the more you forget, I feel. Right. It, it is sort of uh, a muscle memory type of situation, yeah, right? Yeah. You've got to kind of keep going to the gym and working yeah, out to, exactly. to make sure you keep it up or you can start getting flabby again, I guess, metaphorically <laughs> speaking. Uh, there is this idea, a widespread idea, that Korean is a, a particularly difficult language to learn. I, I recall back in my youth, I was... At that time, considering doing some kind of um, government type of service role, whether it was, um, let's say, intelligence or even law enforcement, I, I, I know it's hard to believe, but uh, <laughs> a lot of the enticing aspects of it were if you have Korean as your second language, either you are much higher on the pay scale yeah. or it is a job that is so highly kind of uh, uh, recruited that uh, people are willing to hire you if you have some semblance of a Korean education, provided you have all these other classifications, which uh, like Arabic, I think post 9-11, that was also another case in the US, which was a highly prized language to mm-hmm, have mm-hmm. in your bank to be interpreters and, and whatnot. Uh, but it really kind of, kind of highlighted the fact that Korean was quite Difficult. For, for someone uh, um, of European background, would you say that's the case, that it is a difficult language to learn? You know, I think it's difficult to learn, but I also think it's quite a systemized, systematic language compared mm. to English, for example. Ah, you mean with all the exceptions? In yeah, the, you know. I mean, because 
just learning a language in itself that it looks completely different is difficult. But in, if you actually do learn the rules properly, I think it's quite, yeah, it, it, in a way, the, the rules are set and mm. they are easy. When uh, Korean friends, on the other hand, ask me about Uh, English questions. I just don't know. Yeah, you know, I don't know how to answer them. It's the cliche. You and I, if we took, let's say, the TOEIC or the TOEFL, we'd probably do very poorly because we just don't in, know the no. uh, explicit grammar rules involved <laughs> exactly. with it. It's just something that's inherently I can't do it. ingrained in you. Yeah, yeah. So it is, and I, I, you know, hats off to these talented people who are able to learn all these languages uh, at a near native level. Uh, but let's talk about Korean and, and the learning process mm. of this. Your journey into learning Korean kind of coincides with the, uh, the time frame of this uh, entire yeah. session. Institute. So uh, let's let's talk about those figures. We talked about uh, 420,000 people studying it outside the country. uh, And those are stats from the Sejong Institute. What exactly is the King Sejong Institute? Yeah, it's it's the brand name of the Korean language institutes that uh, have been established by the South Korean government around the world since 2007. Um, And as, as you pointed out uh, more than 420,000 people around the world have learned Korean through these uh, King Sejong Institutes uh, over for the past 13-14 years um, and the culture ministry uh, announced that uh, it had opened another 34 hmm. uh, institutes in over 30 countries around the world so now there is a total of 213 institutes in 76 countries Right. Uh, In my line of work, uh, you know, doing a two-hour current affairs program, there could be some confusion because we have a lot of experts that join us from the uh, Sejong Research Institute, which (laughs) is, of course, kind of more of a political think tank type of uh, uh, institution. And so that's a different thing from this uh, Sejong Hakdang, the King Sejong Institute under the auspices of the uh, Ministry of Culture. Uh, Just explain maybe then um, how this uh, institute and the government is trying to support Uh, some kind of program or policy scheme to encourage people to learn Korean outside the country? Yeah, I mean, uh, ultimately, the King Sejong Institute is the foundation. Uh, It operates a program by funding locally initiated uh, Korean language education programs throughout the world. Um, And those might be in universities or even schools. And so then they receive applications uh, and then they certify the institute as a King Sejong Institute. So they have different strategies. They and you know, not only just Korean language classes, but they want to expand non face to face projects. Uh, and they want to uh, introduce like new technologies such as artificial intelligence, uh, big data, um, yeah, non face to face learning environments. Promote online cultural exchanges. Not too sure how that will work yet. Mm. Um, and they want to have. Um, 100,000 learners by 2022 online. Right, and that's going to be important, as you'll talk about later, because we are in this so-called new normal where uh, Mm. online interaction is definitely more uh, preferable these days uh, to uh, -to face-to-face interactions. Uh, A lot of our listeners uh, may know of... uh, Topic, topic, uh, which is the Korean language test for non-native speakers of Korean, especially if you're an expat and living here, you may have been at some point or time been uh, uh, confronted with the <laughs> reality of having to take this test. Uh, but uh, along with the overall interest in Korean language itself, um, not just people who have to have it as a requirement for for various things. Um, a lot of people are just on their own are interested in taking this just exam, taking, right? Yeah, absolutely, and. Uh, 
you know, the, the people taking the topic exam, the Korean language exam, has, I mean, it's been growing every year since it first started um, in, 2000, uh, in 1997. So, um, for example, just in the, from 2018 to 2019, it increased by 14%. Uh, Um, to a total of about 375,000 uh, applicants. Mm. And so cumulatively, by 2019, uh, people, sitting, I mean, uh, people sitting the exam have uh, tallied to 2.5 million. Of course, this includes people who have taken the exam several times, maybe. Right. Um, you know, and analysts say that this is because more foreigners um, are preparing... you know, to, to get a job in Korea or study abroad in Korea. Um, and also uh, demand has soared because of, uh, like you said earlier on, you know, the Korean wave, um, you know, K-pop, etc. And, you know, there's considering back in, two, um, back in 1997, uh, when Topic first started, there were only 2,692 applicants that year. Yeah, and so uh, I think a lot of it is uh, attributed to this idea that uh, because Korean culture is so apparently attractive to a lot of people, there Mm -hmm. is this uh, interest in Korea as a country as a whole. Eventually, a lot of people say, I'd like to go there, whether it is for study or or work. And and one of the avenues to get there is through this uh, uh, exam, which kind of like a certification to get your way in to say, if you want to work in the IT industry, you're going to take a lot of these uh, tech certifications to Mm. hopefully uh, build Mm. up your resume. This is uh, an aspect of this. But uh, one interesting thing here, I think it kind of alludes to the point you made earlier here. Taking the topic exam, and and I I believe you've taken it, but we've talked about how you you and I are native English speakers, Mm -hmm. right? We're native English speakers. But if we took the... TOEFL, and we pitted ourselves against our producer and our writers, (laughs) I would venture to say among us five, you and I would be number four and five in terms of the score that we would be able to receive compared to them taking the TOEFL, which would far exceed, they would would ace it. Is that the same with this? Does this really accurately measure your Korean proficiency in your view? You've taken it. You know, yes and no. Yeah, I've taken the exam about five or six times. Um. And, you know, I think this exam serves several purposes, but the purposes are becoming similar to TOEIC or TOEFL. Um, So, in a way, I think um, the topic exam, you learn how to answer the questions because there's a kind of routine and you learn how to, for example... read the first sentence and read the last sentence of a paragraph and then quickly answer the question. There's a technique. And if you don't know the technique to answering these questions, Mm. you will probably fail it, Mm. even if your Korean is very good. Um, So, of course, you have to learn uh, Korean in order to take this exam. But uh, several times I've taken it, you know, you just quickly brush up a week before, learn Mm. some difficult words and difficult grammar structures and just regurgitate it during the exam to get the score and then uh, forget it the next day. So, you know, it it depends on the individual. Of course, you need a basic level of Korean to pass this exam. Um, But I think... you know, you shouldn't just do it for the exam, just for the score. You have to, you know, put into practice what you've actually learned. It's an indictment 
on the, I think, entire written exam situation. And I know that uh, what we're talking about, we're comparing it to, let's say, TOEFL, TOEFL or TOEIC and how you can ace that exam, but you won't necessarily be completely fluent in mm. your communication yep. skills uh, in terms of expressing yourself in English. Exactly the same way with this, right? You, you, you can game the system somehow. You can maybe even go, they probably have a cram school no. and go there and they'll, they'll teach you how to ace the no, exam, but uh, you might not be good at Korean, I right? Mean, I mean, I took one of those classes at one point. It was a t- how to pass topic class. And They, you know, they told you if you do not know the strategy, you will fail or you won't get a high grade. So they mm. they would tell us, uh, yeah, how to answer these questions and what to expect. But it doesn't mean that you can actually speak Korean. Uh, likewise for TOEIC and TOEFL, I know many Korean friends who have excellent scores, but when it comes to speaking, it's a different issue. Uh, same goes for topic. Right. It d- doesn't mean you can speak it or uh, use it in a daily right. life. You might have a lot of foreigners then who've aced the exam, but uh, if they're in their day-to-day life in Korean, they're, they're not going to be differentiated from just another random yeah. foreigner who's lived here for a while and has a Korean wife and has It, learned how to communicate. Yeah, exactly. I, I know this is going to go on a tangent and we're not going to really go there, <laughs> but we don't have time. But it does kind of boil down to this idea of the inherent inequalities of education and, and privilege. And just taking the U.S. example, we have a bunch of people able to get into universities because they score high on what's known as the SATs or let's say the O-levels. Uh, yeah. y- you pay money, y- you can go to one of those cram schools and get a good yeah. grade on that test. But if you are uh, from, a, let's say, a less privileged background or if you are a person of color, you often just don't have the... Uh, ability to be able to get a good grade on that test through no other inherent evaluation of your intellectual capability because that's not an accurate measure of this. And that's really the, I I guess, the fatal flaw of a lot of these uh, tests. But Mm. nevertheless, there needs to be some way to evaluate and I I guess they've figured out that that is the way they have to do it. Yeah, I think a topic exists for a reason and I'm not Yeah, I'm not here to criticize it. It, you know, it's a minimum uh, standard or mechanism to test people's Korean. One thing we can criticize, though, is um, cheating, right? (laughs) uh, uh, Unfortunately, and, you know, you kind of think this is maybe uh, something that is really not confined to one culture because we've had reports of... uh, cheating being a problem in in Koreans taking exams, but there are some problems related to cheating with foreigners taking this test as well, right? Yeah, I mean, it's funny because I actually experienced it myself. I was sitting the topic exam. It was this massive lecture hall. um, And the guy sitting next to me had a textbook open on his laps and had no issues whatsoever in just flicking the pages. So just very brazen. Yeah, and it just You know, because everyone's so so nervous about their own exam. And when I see him confidently, like, you know, spitting out his answers, I just got really nervous. So, I mean, you know, I, I had no choice but to put my hand up and tell the super... Okay. <laughs> the invigilator. So to, you were the narc. Yeah, I'm so, I'm so sorry. But, like, you know... Yeah, well, what happened a, to the guy? I'm just he very got, curious. He got kicked out okay. of, the, of the exam hall. Um, but, you know, when you have such... large numbers of people taking this exam um you know when when it's a topic exam day i mean they take out entire university lecture halls i mean there's thousands of people taking it it's very difficult to supervise every single person in the in the room when you have hundreds of people there so yeah in korea i mean not just in korea but around the world cheating is on the rise um 
And um, there was um, data submitted by the education ministry and they found that a total of 1,250 applicants were found to have cheated in the exam between um, 2014 and July. Um, and, uh, you know, obviously this, this is happening not just in Korea but abroad. Um, th these cases happen, I believe there's like a ranking number one country, South Korea, followed by China, then Vietnam. Mm. Um, and cheating involves using electronic devices, um, followed by people actually sitting the exam for someone else. Mm. So proxy takers, mm. whatever you want to call it. Um, 14% uh, don't comply with the test, test uh, schedule, um, so maybe they take more time doing it. And um, some people are found to have ex exchanged answers. Some of these cases are actually organized, I guess, crime in a way. It's, uh, it's planned, in, planned in advance, it's not just one or two cases, but a group, uh, group um, cheating. Uh, yeah, it's on the rise and um, authorities are saying, you know, of, in, on the one hand, it's great that topic is becoming so popular and yeah. increasing every year, but you need to put more resources into invigilating and making sure that uh, cheating does not occur. That, it's fascinating. So um, maybe you can help us understand how high are the stakes in terms of passing this topic? Like to, to be incentivized to want to be cheating, especially in this sort of very kind of organized and almost it looks like a lucrative business for these guys who are organizing <laughs> these cheaters. Is the topic considered uh, some kind of golden ticket that once you pass it, you have this kind of entry into Korea that's going to set, set you for life? Uh, of, of course not. And it expires every two years, right. I think. But it's more and more becoming an absolute minimum standard to acquiring, say, visas or um, getting a job. You just need a certain level. So uh, as the attractiveness of Korea as a destination or place to be increases, so then does the yeah, uh, they, they, incentive I, or I, the I think temptation 20 years, to cheat? 20 years ago, you could probably, if you were like a, a foreigner, you could probably just enter any company relatively easily because you were the token foreigner. But now they need certain standards in place, mm. and this is one of them. Oh, okay. Uh, I think I understand then why uh, people would uh, go through all that trouble to, to cheat and, and risk getting caught by uh, a dutiful uh, law-abiding citizens like Raphael who will uh, <laughs> report these uh, violators if he sees them in person. Uh, another aspect of the difficulty of topic here, Raphael, is the, uh, the pandemic. And we talked about the online learning situation. Uh, there are some problems being posed, obviously, for people who want to take the test. What happened? Mm. Uh, and were you, were you apparently one of those people? Yeah, I, I was. Uh, I was supposed to take it in January. Um, and suddenly it got cancelled. Um, so I, it, they, they take the, the exam takes place, I think it's five or six times a year. Um, then there was a next uh, exam, which was in April, but then that got postponed to May. Mm. And then the May one got cancelled, uh, I think it was 10 days before the exam. Wow. So the next one, I believe, is next weekend. Um, you know... It, the problem is that so many people need this, ex like I said, people need this exam in order to get their job, uh, their visa, to get into university or whatever, you know, whatever reason it is. They need this, this, this certificate, but they can't get it. So uh, it's causing problems. And, you know, I, I sympathize with people who are in limbo at the moment because they probably don't know what to do. Right. I, I was in that situation as well. Um, for renewing my visa 
because I needed the exam. Mm. But then um, apparently unofficial rule at immigration is that they took my old score that was already expired. Okay. But they don't announce it publicly. (laughs) Right. I I can understand why they would do that. Well, and finally, talk about then the solution of trying to shift uh, things online and how that's going. Yeah, the the education ministry has uh, decided to switch to an internet-based test, considering the number of topic applicants is increasing by 14-15% every year. Mm. So um, if topic is converted to an internet-based test, uh, the number of applicants per year uh, is expected to increase um, from about 375,000 to 700, like double to 700,000 by 2022. Um, and they also, um, you know, uh, the ad- administers of this e- exam are also thinking of including um, a speaking test as well as part okay. of the exam. Well, uh, we'll see uh, how uh, these changes uh, improve the situation with all, all of the uh, problems that uh, you had alluded to. But overall, as you say, uh, the Korean language is booming, so to speak. And uh, this is one way to evaluate that. And it's interesting to see how the evolution of a topic has uh, grown throughout the years. We're going to leave it there. Rafael, as always, thank you very much. We'll talk to you again soon. Thank you.